Welcome back to the Drive and Kick SB Nation NBA podcast. Many teams use the Drive and Kick as a staple of their offense. Drive. Kicks out. Drives. Kick out. It requires a team with effective dribblers. Quick crossover and a drive. Passers. What a pass. And shooters. Quick release three-pointer. That's good. I'm your host, Paul Flannery. Let's see how it's done. Welcome back to the Drive and Kick Podcast. This is Paul Flannery, pre-finals edition of the Drive and Kick Podcast. As of uh, about 24 hours from now, I will be getting on a plane and going out to the beautiful Bay Area for the start of the NBA Finals. And my man, John Gonzalez, who I have not, we have not talked to each other in a while. We've both been working and traveling and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. I missed you. I was not in Cleveland. You went to Cleveland. I stayed home. And then I went home. I was obviously in Boston. You didn't come here. Are we going to see each other at any point? This is amazing. I've been on the road pretty much nonstop playing for three months and still have not seen you in, I don't even know, when was the last time I actually saw you in the flesh? Uh, Before you left Philly, so a couple years ago, I think. Okay, so it's been a while. Somehow we have not run into each other yet. We might be destined to see each other down the line. It doesn't look like I'm going to Oakland. Who knows about Cleveland? Um, We will find out. But it's interesting uh, that we're starting the pod this way because while I was in Cleveland, I ran into one Howard Beck from Bleacher Report, ah. you know, obviously one of the one of the great basketball writers. But you know, he's like, "Hey, how are things? Are you still in Philly? Whatever." So Howard Beck, <laughs> who's the nicest dude, right? Oh, he's great. He Frequent dining companion. Go ahead. The nicest dude, nicest dude. And and what I'm about to say, you have to keep in the context of like it being Howard Beck saying it. Okay. But he goes. He goes, so I saw Flannery, and I was like, yeah. And, and he goes, so I went to him. I was like, yeah, why are you doing a podcast with John Gonzalez? <laughs> what he meant was, how do you know John Gonzalez? But it came off as, why are you doing a podcast? So I just laughed, and he's like, no, no, no that's not what I meant. Uh, but so he didn't know that we were longtime friends until apparently you caught him up on that. Right. I, ask, I frequently ask myself the same question. <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, yeah, actually, I've seen Howard. I've seen Howard a bunch, man. We had dinner in Chicago during the combine at the Purple Pig. Uh, he was out in Boston. I took him. I took him to uh, to dinner in uh, Somerville, where I live. Yeah, no, I see Howard quite a bit. Uh, but that is that is really fun. Why are we doing a podcast together? Yeah, and I and I explained it to him. He's like, that makes sense now. I get it. All right. Uh, but so for Howard and for everybody else, thanks for listening to the podcast. Yeah. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Uh, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review or subscribing to us, uh, we would appreciate that as well. We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, it's it's here, Plan. We're going to talk about the finals that's been long awaited and uh, LeBron passing MJ. And then we're going to give our predictions and things we want to see. Uh, but first, the part that I think the anticipation is over, right? The inevitability of this finals we've all been sort of waiting on. And now it's here. And do we like this setup? Do we like the... The regular season and the playoffs not really mattering because we knew that this was going to happen? It's a really good question. I mean, now that we're here, it's like you waited all the year for Christmas and now it's Christmas. So is it worth it? Hell yeah. Give me some presents, man. But like, <laughs> you know, it, I, I, throughout this season, I, I went I went up and down with this. Like there are times that I enjoyed the season and thought it was pretty great and times when I was just like, I, I just I can't get a spark off this season. Like these games are going on and it's fine. The MVP thing is fine and blah, 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 blah. But it's like... We all kind of know how this is going to end, and every time you try to make a case for somebody else, you're like, nah. And then the playoffs, dude, the playoffs were not great. <laughs> Can we just be honest about that? They were yeah. good. Anticlimactic for sure. Um, 
I think about it sort of in a little bit different context. Um, because we like basketball so much, uh, despite the fact that we knew that we were battling towards this rubber match, I really enjoyed the regular season. There were a lot of different storylines that I liked from, you know, Russ's triple-double uh, average quest to James Harden and Mike D'Antoni's marriage to Kawhi Leonard taking over the Spurs full-time to, you know, incorporating KD, uh, although that's sort of a subplot of this one. There's any, And then, like, you know, all the stuff that were happening with the lesser teams as they're trying to grow, and I, I just really enjoyed it. But for me, I, I look at it as it's almost like two leagues. We have a 28-team league, and then we have a two-team league. And the two-team league is everything, and they get to determine the championship. So you have to almost look at the 28-team league through a different context. Like a, It's a completely different prism. Yeah, and I would almost include that to a third team if Kawhi Leonard was healthy. I wanted to see how San Antonio would, would do. I don't think they would have won the series. So I think you're right. I mean, I think right they're, they're probably the upper echelon of what we would consider like the next group, right? Sure. And the Houston as well. And then the further down, then you get to the Eastern teams, the Boston, Toronto, Washington Axis or trio, which is like, who's better? I don't know. Right, <laughs> right. Um, so, yeah. We spent but, so much time on that last I point. I know. Like we, our podcast, when I think about this show over the course of an entire season, there were some like consistent themes, but it ultimately boiled down to tears, right? right? It was the teams at the bottom as they try to rebuild and, oh, aren't the Wolves fascinating? And like, what are the Sixers doing? Can Embiid stay healthy? Then there were those like, those like uh, teams that are right underneath the Cavs and the Warriors in both conferences. Like, like you said, who's better between the Raptors and the Wizards? And then it was the top two teams. So we had like three like compartmentalized conversations. And I think I think this can be looked at at a micro and a macro level, right? Like, I just spent a lot of time with the Celtics and wrote a piece basically saying, like, yes, all this stuff mattered. It was important. And, oh, by the way, it was a lot of fun, too. Like, um, they're, and they're, they're... That was play- a good piece. People should read it. Thank you. I appreciate that, John. But, uh, you know, like... And their playoffs were exciting, too, for what they were. A six-game series and a seven-game series. They were kind of the outlier there. So, if you're a Celtics fan and you didn't enjoy the season, then, you know, you're kind of a miserable bastard. Like, you know... This was a lot of fun for them. At the same time, when it got to the conference finals, it was like, oh, this is this huge gap. So, like, individually, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of interest to be gained. But in terms of a macro view, but here's the thing. Is it bad? I mean, I want this. The only thing I want in an NBA finals is I want the two best teams. Mm-hmm. I want the two best teams playing each other. Hopefully there's no injuries you know, mitigating anything or whatever. But the teams who are playing the best at the end of the season – that's who I want to see play in the finals. And duh, I mean, like, you can't ask for anything more than this. So the, so the lack of uh, drama or unknown elements to who will appear in the finals doesn't sap the entertainment value for you. Of these finals? Of any finals. I mean, like, just knowing that it's good. Like, we knew the matchup before the season. We've known mm-hmm. it for a while. Just knowing the, the inevitability, I guess, is what I'm saying, doesn't sap the entertainment value for you. Well, I'm an 80s child. Right, and so I grew up. My my first my first uh, basketball memories are basically Bird and Magic, and then Jordan at North Carolina. So I'm, I got a few right. years on you. So you know, when I was like 11, 12 years old, when you really start identifying with sports, like you expected the Celtics and the Lakers. And now a different sure. era, different time, whatever. But you got the payoff, and I can remember being bitterly disappointed in '86 that the Lakers got knocked out by the Rockets in that conference final. Ralph Sampson hit that crazy shot. And so the best Celtics team of that era didn't play the Lakers that year, right? And so, you know, I remember being incredibly disappointed by that. And to me, 
now we have these two teams that have evolved to the point where um, I don't know if these are their best versions, but right. they may not be that far off. You know, like this is this is a heavyweight fight. The first year, I don't think a lot of people gave Cleveland a chance. I don't think people gave Cleveland a great chance the second year. This is this is tight. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, I hear what you're saying. I think those super teams that we grew up with, I mean, uh, in the 80s, you mentioned them, and then like Jordan's Bulls. The only thing that derailed Jordan's Bulls was Jordan himself going off on his sojourn into minor league baseball. But I, I don't mind. I, I'm with you in that I want the best teams to play in the finals. These are clearly the best teams. And it doesn't bother me that we knew that it was coming. In fact, because we knew it was coming, I was sort of prepared for it. And like right. I said, I spent the regular season watching 28 other teams in their own contest um, with their own versions of why they're entertaining, as opposed to when we were watching the Warriors or the Cavs. It was all about, okay, what does this mean for their inevitable meeting and their inevitable rubber match? Um, and now it's here. And like you said, this is great. I'm really excited about it. It couldn't be, I mean, like, Frankly, if it didn't happen, if something had happened where, you know, you, your big thing is, you know, in the playoffs, you're one injury away and like then everything can change. What if, you know, LeBron, who is indestructible, was all of a sudden like felled by an injury or, or, or Steph? Yeah. Play. Yeah. But that's not the case. Instead, we've got them both fully healthy. They're ready to rock. Let's do it. I'm ready. I know. And there's nothing else hanging over either of these two teams. There's no technical foul issues. There's no flagrant foul issue. Not yet. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing sort of like – this is like even Stephen clean slate. They both have had tons of rest. Neither one of them was pushed tremendously hard in any of their in any of their playoff series. Um, you know, so it's not like one team is coming in having played like 20 games over the, over the last six weeks. Like, one played 12 and the other played 13. Let me ask you about that because we didn't talk. Uh, I was in Boston and we, we have found out through trial and error, mostly error – that when I'm on the road, these podcasts go terribly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the communication, as it turns out, the technology is not quite there yet for hotel Wi-Fi. Um, so we didn't do a pod when I was in Cleveland uh, or when I came back and you were in Boston. We didn't talk about that hiccup, that post-Isaiah hiccup for the oh, Cavs. Yeah. What did you make of that? What I didn't think it was a big deal. I thought it was just sort of an outlier. These things happen. They're NBA players. Marcus Smart lost his mind in that game. Mm -hmm. uh, Jonas Jarebko lost his mind in that game. They picked one off. Not a big deal. But I think in Cleveland, when I was watching it happen, there were Cavs fans who were a little nervous about like if it, met, if it had a bigger meaning. Yeah. Um, what did you make of that? I thought it was astonishing as I watched it live. And I actually watched it live in the newsroom of uh, one of the local TV stations here where I was doing a Sunday night news show. <laughs> yes, know, you did. Right? Shouts to Channel 7 because I was Channel texting 7. you during it. Yeah. And you were like, leave me alone. I'm doing TV. <laughs> <laughs> it was phenomenal. Yeah, no, it was great. And so, you know, it was interesting watching it with those guys because, you know, they're, you know as they're cutting highlights or watching this, and we're just like, holy mm -hmm. shit. Holy shit, you know. Um, yeah. So I thought it said a lot more about the Celtics than it did the Cavs. I think, you know, a couple things had to happen. As you said, Marcus Smart had to go crazy and the Cavs had to not play well. LeBron had a terrible game. which he, almost ne he never has bad games and to that extent. He had a terrible game. I thought it was more instructive what happened in game four. The Celtics played much better in the first 18 minutes of that game. They were up 10. Yeah. And that yeah. to me was like, okay, now let's see what you got. And Cleveland obviously did their thing. LeBron got in foul trouble. Kyrie kept a minute. Then Kyrie went supernova. Then LeBron carried it home. 
So if you went into this playoffs thinking to yourself, I would like to see the Cavs challenged at least one time, that was it. Now, it wasn't down to one. It wasn't on the road. It wasn't like, you know, an elimination game. But that was them getting challenged, and they responded the way you wanted them to respond. Before we get into LeBron and Jordan and then the finals and all that stuff, I have two more quick questions about that series. One, uh, you mentioned Kyrie. We've had conversations offline about Kyrie uh, and where you, what you think of him. And Oh, by the way, I've got a Kyrie piece coming out on The Ringer this week, uh, right before the finals. I'm nice. all of a sudden like becoming a bit – your face – he's literally face-palming right now <laughs> as I mentioned this to him because he no, that, that, was, that face-palm was for the gratuitous uh, plug that you slid in there very I, gracefully. Listen, we've got to promote our – I am a content uh, provider. Your I need machine. people to know where to go and consume it. This is, <laughs> this is my whole individual business model. Right. Um, but in the course of watching the Cavs recently, it occurred to me that like I kind of like Kyrie, and I think he's underrated not just as you know uh, a really good player, but sort of as a multimedia personality in the NBA. Now we spent a lot of time talking about Draymond and and Russ and like what kind of characters they are. Kyrie is kind of up there and under the radar on that front. Um, have you come around on Kyrie after that that monster forty two point effort? Well, I've come around on him as a player. Um, he's obviously a great player. He's you know tremendous. I have ne- I, th- There's a part of Kyrie that I don't like that much as a player, which is the the isolation ball. You know, dribble, 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 um, choke the air out of the ball player. And he's awesome at it. He. What's interesting now is that he has sort of become. He's the last of that of that of that kind of player. Like you used to see that, that those guys everywhere. The high usage. Not only high usage, but um, efficient too. And now it's you know move the ball, move the ball, move the ball, um, get good shots, whatever. Be hyper efficient, hyper efficient. And Kyrie is you know a, a, a virtuoso performer in a one on one setting, which even Russ isn't really. Russ is just like dynamic force, but Kyrie's got moves. He's got English. He's got spin. He's got all this kind of stuff. I've come around on that aspect of him as a player. It's incredibly entertaining. Um, You would know better than me. I don't know that much about him personally, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I don't spend a ton of time around the Cavs except in the postseason when everybody gets guarded. And, you know, he's not exactly like this exuberant persona the way someone like Draymond Green is or um, even Durant, really. Um, so yeah, yeah so, so enlighten well, me that, so that part, uh, is interesting. And I was of a similar mind as you that I, like when we see him in pack interviews, he's pretty bland Oh, he's boring. and he gets like, he gets some little scraps with reporters and you're like, all right, I'm not sure about this guy. What I discovered when I went there and Hey, while we're doing shameless plugs, I wrote another piece for the ringer that came out last week about the uh, RJ and Channing Fry and Allie Clifton podcast called Road Tripping, which is the only in-season podcast done by players, which is hugely fascinating, plan. And not to throw anybody else off of our podcast, but if you're looking for another podcast, go listen to this thing because it's super enlightening, and here's why. The Kyrie Irving or you know the Kevin Love or the Tim Duncan, sometimes they have Tim Duncan on, LeBron James or whomever, the player interviews that they do, it's like t- it's hugely different than what we get when we're talking to them for a number of reasons. It's more intimate setting. They're more comfortable with the people they're interviewing. Kyrie Irving on that podcast plan is like 180 degrees in the opposite direction from the one we get to talk to. He's mm-hmm. funny, introspective, clever, smart. Like I'm like, who is this dude? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, look, 
all we, all I can do as a writer and as, as someone who consumes is react to what, you know, I can get out of interview settings or what I can do, you know, right. with, with, with those kinds of things. And if they're going to reserve and, and withhold it for their own media ventures, then, you know, more power to them. They'll probably put us out of business. But like, <laughs> so it's like, I, I don't know. And this is what I appreciate about, so Draymond, of course, is just, Draymond's just like everywhere, right? Like, you know exactly yes. where you stand with Draymond every second of the day. I love that because as a writer, it's like, just, just press record on the tape recorder and oh, wait, if you can't write a Draymond piece, you might Fill well get my out notebook. of business. Yeah. And then LeBron, I appreciate quite a bit because clearly he's not telling us everything that's going on in his life, right? He's got a lot going on. But he is comfortable enough with us and with with the interview process or whatever to, you know, to spin stories and to give us stuff we can work with. And he knows exactly what he's doing at every second of the way. Somewhere between those two poles, you know, I is is where I hope to find common ground with a player when I'm talking to them so I can write about them. And I just have not been able to do that yet with Kyrie. As I said, I don't really spend that much time around him. Yeah. No, I think everything that you said is uh, is exactly right. It's accurate. Um I think, like I said, almost by proxy, that podcast serves as our um, introduction or entryway into his personality. Like it's cloistered and it's closed off when we get to see him. And, you know, we in the in the few times where we do get to interview him, that's what it is. It's a pack interview. You're getting the X's and O's, whatever. Uh, And he does it sort of a different way than, like you mentioned, Draymond or LeBron or some other people who will let us in on who they are as people. Uh, but so anyway, I wanted to see where you were on Kyrie. The other question I had for you re- relative to the last series to the Eastern Conference Finals before we move on finally, what you make of the Cavs' defense and like, where are you on level of concern as it pertains to trying to stop the Warriors' juggernaut? Let me make, let me make one final point on Kyrie as we head into yeah. the Finals. Um, yeah. He got the better of Steph last year. He did, including that game winner. Yes. So that is a fascinating matchup to me because they're probably going to guard each other. A bit, um, and you know, I I think that burns Steph, and it should. He was a two time MVP. Kyrie isn't even making all NBA teams, you know. Right. So, um, you know, I think that one's fascinating, and that was one where if you look back and said, "Man, how did the Cavs do this?" Well, in your mental checklist, it's like, "Oh, Kyrie Irving has to outplay Steph Curry." Like, he did. So, I think that matchup is going to be really interesting. So, in terms of a player of note. And a player of interest, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am going to be devoting a lot more of my mental brain capacity to, to Kyrie's play during these finals. As far as their defense goes, I don't know what we could take out of this. I mean, their plan was to, was to <laughs> shut down Isaiah. They did. Isaiah got hurt. You know, I, I think they, they, they destroyed Toronto, you know, defensively. Right. Um, and But it's like, you know, they had trouble with the Celtics when they went to this motion-heavy movement offense. And that's what they're going to see a lot of against Golden State. Now, much, much, much more skilled and better players in that instance. So we got to see. And, you know, nobody's been running on them for a lot of reasons. But Golden State's going to run. And can they get back in transition? I don't know. Yeah, the rebounding, I mean, that's part of the – I mean, they they have two guys in love and and Tristan Thompson who just are monsters on the glass, like absolutely crush the Celtics. And the Celtics, as we've noted, aren't as – as good on the glass, but um, defensively beyond that, I was sort of surprised at, I don't know, I, maybe part of it was just the Celtics in, in those couple of games just catching fire and, 
and being crazy and, you know, like, what are you going to do? You're going to chalk it up to it being an outlier and you're going to move on. Uh, but I still have my, my concerns about that. But before we move on to the actual series and what we think, uh, we wanted to, to discuss just like briefly because we spent so much time thinking about LeBron and talking about LeBron. And yet I was like, I had kind of forgotten about his, where he, where he was scoring wise in the playoffs until he passed Jordan at 32 on fewer shots. And I went, Oh shit. Like, seven straight NBA finals. Like, this is really amazing. And I don't want to have like the who's better LeBron or MJ conversation because <laughs> I find it so trite and boring. And I don't care. I really like watching both of them. Sure. And that's good enough for me. What I do f- want to ask you about is when this is over and LeBron has appeared in X number more finals before he retires at age 40, whatever, will that record, that playoff scoring record be the most untouchable in sports? It's going to be up there. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming his minutes will be up there too. Um, yeah, so it's interesting, uh, speaking of shameless plugs, my last uh, Sunday shoot-around before I took a little break was basically about LeBron and you know trying to, trying to get at the question, is he better than he was four years ago when a lot of people consider him to be a statistical peak? And what's interesting is that about that story was that like James Jones got these great answers about how um, LeBron is, is, yeah, he's better, he's, diff- he's a different player, he's you know, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. And... You know, I've really felt like that stood definitively as where where we we need to be thinking about LeBron heading into the finals, and he had his worst game of his postseason, like right that, that night. So then it became a <laughs> referendum again about like LeBron, you know, Jordan Jordan never lost these games. Jordan never had bad games. So like you can't win against Michael Jordan. You can't, and you can't win because you can't beat the myth, and you can't beat the record. You can never go six and zero in the finals because he did it, and you're already whatever you are three and three or three and four or four and three, whatever. Right. It is. Um, they all blend together. So, but can you stand? I, I don't even want him to stand ahead of Jordan. I want him to stand with Jordan. To me, I think he does already. I will be interested to see how this plays out if he's able to win another one against this Golden State team for back to back, and like yeah. that's a really stupid way to be reductive, and I don't care. Like that's still how we're going to talk about it in the first sentence. A hundred percent, because I mean, like the okay, so the mythology of Jordan is a really interesting point when compare like when comparing LeBron to Jordan because you know part of it is we grew up on that. Like you said, six finals, six wins. He was amazing in them. Um, just like the image of Michael Jordan, the shoe brand, like the whole bit, everything that goes with Michael Jordan and the mythology of it is interesting. But LeBron has his own in that, you know, he leaves Cleveland, he's a villain. He returns to Cleveland, the hero. He ends a drought of 50 plus years in Cleveland, a place where nobody wins anything ever. And like talk about conquering hero returning and like making good. That is such a great storyline. And if he does it twice against a team that is literally designed to beat him, like they threw in their forces together and then added an extra player. If he does it again, you're right. Like that mythology all of a sudden starts to come even with Jordan's. And now we have great storylines, right? So I just wish we could talk about this rationally because it's, it is a fascinating thing to talk about, especially if you were there. Um, again, like my first Jordan memory was him beating Georgetown in the 1982 national championship game. That was the first national championship game I remember watching, you know, but right. I also watched the Pistons kick his ass and I watched, you know, I watched him play on some bad bulls teams where people were like, all he does is score. He'll never win unless he learns how to be a good teammate. Like, I mean, I, I lived through that stuff. Sure. Um, so it's, it's an interesting one to have. 
I think LeBron is absolutely right, and he's smart to sort of – he's not addressing it, but he's letting it be known that, like, yes, he thinks about it too. Like, legitimately, he has no peer. You know, yeah. younger players occasionally have gotten the better of him. Some of them won MVPs or won playoff series, whatever. But he has no legitimate peer. This is the only thing left with him. And, you know, people complain that we, you know, we, we focus too much on the narrative. I don't know how you focus on anything but the narrative with LeBron, because it's endlessly fascinating. Yeah, which is why I think when this is all over, and again, I'm not going to, like, I hate the who's better, forget, like, that's such a right, hard thing cares? to compare. And, and and there's so many different variables, but I think we're going to have a different perspective on it when it's all over than we did, you know, a couple of years ago, because, again, he's 32, he already passed Jordan on fewer shots. That number, his playoff scoring number and the number of finals appearances and however many more titles he ends up winning – that's going to look so outsized eight years from now. You know, it already is remarkable. He's 32. I mean, how the hell did he do that? I know. And, like, I, I listen, I can remember when it was 3-1 last year, and we're like, geez, how are we going to write about LeBron? He's going to be 2-4 and four in finals. We can't ignore I know. that. You know, yeah. and then it changed. And he, he said it. He said to some of the, the media guys who, who, who are, you know, the Cavs beat writers, you know, he's like, what do I have left to prove? That's how he's viewing it. That makes him very dangerous, and that ultimately tying it back into place is really, I think, what makes him quote-unquote better than he was four years ago is what does he have to prove um, because he seems like he is conquering that mental um, – that those mental barriers, which for anybody are the, sort of like the last the last frontiers. All right, so let's talk about the physical barriers. It's the playoffs. It's the finals. Transition. Transition. He, we already know that he's the, he's the GOAT and he's the best player on the floor. Uh, and yet I think like – a lot of people are expecting the Warriors to, you know, the Warriors are the favorites in this, which Kevin Love even mentioned. He's like, we're the defending champions and people are calling us the underdogs, which he found hilarious. Um, is there an underdog or a favorite in this? Um, yeah, I think so. And um, as I realize, kids, I forgot to plug in my mic to this podcast now that I did in the previous 25 minutes as <laughs> I was just talking into air. ever. Oh my God! Yeah, this podcast Hall of Fame. Do we have to do this thing over? We're we gonna just let it stay. No, in? we're gonna let it ride. All right, nice. I got a, I got a pack. I got a plane to catch. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah, I think there's a definite favorite. It's Golden State. They've got home court number one. Um, number two, you know, they are according, you know, by every metric you want to find, they are a better team. They've been a better team throughout the season. They were. Better in the playoffs again against a different conference. Um, so yeah, I think they are the clear favorite. What is you know this stuff? What does Vegas have it at? Oh, uh, good question. I don't know. I can look it up. While you we're used talking to know these here. things. You've you've grown up now. I see. I don't. I haven't gambled in a long time. I mentioned this to somebody the other day. They asked me for a playoff prediction, and I was like, I'll give you one. But I've mentioned this before. I'm if I was any good at gambling, like people always go, Oh, you work in sports. You should know these things. If I could predict the future, do you think I'd be talking to you on a podcast right now? I'd be on an <laughs> island somewhere. I'd be very rich and very fat and very happy and very tan. I'm none of those things. I'm kind of tan because I live in California, but that's about it. Um, but so I don't gamble anymore. There's a reason for that. Nobody knows. Would it really shock you if they won back-to-back? It wouldn't shock no, me. No, it wouldn't shock me. wouldn't shock me. And Talk while I look at this thing. Okay. No, it wouldn't shock me at all. And especially, I've been around the Cavs a lot now. I was with them in Toronto. I was with them in Boston. And outside of that that weirdo game three, I really like the way they've been playing. Um, and those the veteran guys, what's interesting about this Cavs team as opposed to previous ones is 
Kyle Korver and Darren Williams and J.R. Smith and uh, Kyrie and all these guys, LeBron's got shooters, man. They mm-hmm. can score with them. And that wasn't yeah. always the case last year because um, Golden State would go on these uh, immense runs. And maybe it won't be the case again this time. But, like, you know, you can't leave Korver open. And these other guys are these other guys are playing really well too. So I feel like Cleveland, for the better part of two plus years, I was like I, I could never quite figure out what Cleveland was supposed to be as a basketball team outside of LeBron and then these other guys are here and they do their thing and then they usually win. But like now I can really see them take shape as an entity and it's it's frighteningly powerful offensively. The big question, as always, is, you know, can they can they defend? And I think you know, um, depending on what time this podcast goes, our Mike Prada's got a really great breakdown of of LeBron defensively. Um, I think that's going to be the key question. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, we mentioned like their defense, especially going into the playoffs, was a huge question. Uh, this trying to score with the Warriors thing is super interesting because you would normally say reflexively, "How could that happen?" You're you're in a lot of trouble if that's the game you're playing. However, as you mentioned. The shooters that they've surrounded LeBron with are not insignificant. Kevin Love hit seven three-pointers in the first half against the Celtics. Like, if he gets on a run like he's that... He's playing great. He's playing great. Then you've got Kyrie, who is a scoring monster. And then you've got these other ancillary pieces who can also shoot surrounding uh, LeBron James, right? Like, even when you've got Richard Jefferson out there, like, he can pop some threes. Um, you've got, uh, like you said, Kyle Korver running around. And, you know, the Channing Fry didn't see the floor. But the, in theory, they have shooters who they can surround LeBron with, who who knows? Uh, Vegas, on the other hand, not so confident about this plan. Uh, it's, the Warriors are, are pretty heavy favorites. They're minus 260. Cavs are plus 220 in the series. So uh, translate that into English for us uh, non, non-gamblers. It's, it's, it's uh, like you'd look at it and go, uh, so minus 260 means that you'd have to bet $260 on the Warriors to win $100 for the series. And conversely, with the Cavaliers, you could bet a hundred dollars on them to win two hundred and twenty dollars. So the closer, so, so the closer that gets to a hundred, the the the, the evener, they, right? They view and it, and, and the, the more pronounced and the bigger the gap. Like like the Warriors, I'll give you an example. The Warriors again, and I'm and I'm ballparking this, but I wrote it was actually in one of the stories I wrote about when the Warriors pl- uh, played the Utah Jazz. It was something like the Warriors were something like minus three thousand. Oh. It was absurd. Like it was like you have to bet three thousand dollars to win a hundred. That's how heavy a favorite they were. So while the Warriors are heavy favorites here, it's not nearly as heavy. Obviously, significant favorites. Significant favorites. Say they're favorites. I wouldn't even call it significant. They're, they're favorites. favorites. Okay, they're they're the clear favorite in this. They're series. the clear favorite. So what things do you need to see in order to um, to ride with the Cavs in this? I feel All like right. we're talking about them way more than the Warriors, which kind of makes me nervous. Yeah. Which we'll get to in a second. Um, so I was with both teams in the playoffs. I've seen them both up close. Draymond being Draymond, if Draymond is like nailing threes in addition to being Draymond, then I don't know. It's going to be a really tall order. Yeah. Really tall order. But from the Cavaliers' perspective, one, like you said, we need to see better defense, especially on the perimeter. Um, two, they've got to be the rebounding monsters that they've been. Tristan Thompson and, uh, and uh, Kevin Love have to be just cleaning everything. And they did that, so that gives me more pause, uh, more more optimism. And then three, and this is the big one: those shooters around uh, LeBron, they have to just be consistent. You have to be getting not to say that Kevin Love's got to hit seven three pointers in, in a half every time out, but he's got to be 
really good. Uh, you and the ancillary pieces have to be really good. You've got to get stuff from Channing Fry and Kyle Korver, or not Channing Fry, uh, from Richard Jefferson and Kyle Korver. And you know, Kyrie's got to be the best version of Kyrie that he can be. He's got to be the guy that that upended uh, Steph last year. Everything needs to break right for them, and I think the Warriors have more room for error. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I mean, so from the Golden State perspective, um, there's that whatever that stat is that LeBron has won a road playoff game in like 29 straight series or something ridiculous, whatever it is. Um, I think you go into that series knowing that he's probably going to steal one on your home court and you got to win in their place. And they haven't won in their place since uh, since the game four when they went up three to one. They got they got blown out. Um, you know, when they came back and then they, they lost this, this year in a regular season. So they have to win in there, uh, I think. And then I think I feel like we're going to spend a ton of time talking about like the Zazas and the JaVale McGee's and the Ian McCaws and, you know, all these and Ian Clarks and Patrick McCaws and all these guys. And like, ultimately, it's going to come down to the four stars and Iguodala. And yeah. that's really what it's going to come down to. And then, you know, how do they guard LeBron? Can Iggy do it? You know, he was he was really good at it two years ago. He wasn't that great at it last year. I think he got tired. It's really hard to do. Nobody really can do it. Right. But can they do it well enough to make these other guys beat them? And then, you know, if KD plays as well as he can and Steph plays as well as he can and Clay plays as well as he can and Draymond does all his Draymond things, like, I don't know how you beat him. Yeah. Um, it, you need a lot of luck. I mean, Draymond needs to be off shooting that three ball. Uh, you're going to need one or both of KD and Steph to have some uh, not top-tier games. And then your guys have to kill it every single outing. So it's right. a big order, a big uh, ask. Let's do our predictions and then wrap this puppy up, and then you're going to get on a flight. Okay, this is literally the first time I've thought about in the context of a prediction right this very <laughs> second. This is awesome. how much I hate predictions. <laughs> we do the best pod ever. I know. Um, I'm going to take the Warriors in seven. And maybe that's a little bit of wishful thinking on my part. I'm also prepared mentally for it to go seven, which I was not last year. Um, so I'm going to take it in seven, although I will throw in the caveat and the asterisk. Like, it would not shock me if the Cavs, if the Warriors started getting rolling, you know, and were, went home up three to one, that it would be a short series. I really hope you're right in terms of the game length. Uh, we've been waiting for this all year. I want it to go as long as possible. Uh, I just don't think it will. I'll take the I'll take the Warriors in six. In six. Yeah. 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 I think that's. that's. I mean, look, the Cavs are amazing. LeBron is amazing. What happened last year was such a great story. I love it. I, I'm rooting for Cleveland. Cleveland's a fun place. I I texted you. I was like, I think I like Cleveland. <laughs> it's not bad. It was. It's Curls not a bad you. town. Curls I just you. don't. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's. Whenever you get into this situation, it's like, man, you're betting against LeBron. You're betting against LeBron. You I know, know. I don't like it. I don't like I don't it like at it. all. And like the the point I mentioned earlier about about Golden State, this is sort of my last Golden State point. Is like, you know, we can now dissect the Cavs because we kind of know what they are. I still am not quite sure what the Warriors are with all these with all these guys, other than like just awesome, right? Like, but you know, as a team. You know, and I haven't watched them enough. I guess I don't know. I don't know what it is. Something about them I have not quite picked up on yet. In terms of like, are they more than the collection of parts, or are they just a collection of amazing parts? Yeah, I'm excited to find out though, and excited to watch more. The finals are here. You're off to Oakland. You got to catch a plane. We're gonna do another podcast. Uh, certainly post finals. We'll probably do one yeah. before the draft. 
But while you're on the road and while I'm doing whatever I'm doing, uh, we probably won't do, do one during the finals. We should do we should do a video podcast after like between like games like five and six after I land, mm-hmm. so people can see what a haggard mess <laughs> <laughs> two weeks on the road looks like. I'm 100% on board with that. I wish you luck. Thanks, uh, stay hydrated. Thank you, everybody, Always. for listening to the Drive and Kick podcast. We appreciate it. Please uh, leave us a review and subscribe to us. And we will be back post-finals yeah. uh, with our review. Flan, Godspeed, my friend. I hope to see you in Cleveland. I hope to see you, too. We can go to Flannery's Bar, which I've been going to since the 2010 playoffs right there in yes. downtown Cleveland. They never caught me a free drink. He uh, gets maybe, royalties, though. Maybe my luck will change this year. All right, guys. And hey, thanks for listening throughout the year as we as we babble and ramble on about the NBA, which we like to do, and, and we really appreciate it. Uh, we will see you after the finals. Take care.